Tracy and you, Dominic. You know, when people ask me what have I been doing in the city, I say you need to talk to Dominic Carter because you've been covering me for almost 30 years now. Nice to be with you, Dominic. I think you are really in a very, very high league. And I watch some of your competitors on, frankly, the national shows, and I say, why aren't you doing a national show? Because I really think your delivery and your questioning wow. and your brain power is really at the highest level. So that's good. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Download the 77 WABC app. And coming up in our Carter Cares segment about 1245 this morning, what is happening on Rikers Island with all of the uh, deaths there, suicides. I will be joined by the deputy CEO, Stanley Richards of the Fortune Society. He will join me for what I'm sure is going to be a very interesting conversation. That's coming up at 1245. A number of things that are on my mind and... This morning, what I have to say when I get to the bishop that was allegedly um, uh, robbed in Brooklyn, my journalist hat is going to come on tonight. And I'll explain what I mean by that in just a minute, because um, to be honest with you, the, the, um, the best way I can state this, something is not right. But uh, I'll get to that in just a second. Just stand by, please. So let me start with that wild and despicable video showing a teenager fighting, punching, hitting an NYPD cop in the face. A 16-year-old kid confronted after allegedly jumping a turnstile in Manhattan over the weekend. Now, this teenager has been previously arrested for possession of a loaded gun and robbery, and he was released the very next day. The teen, who cops did not publicly identify because of his age, apparently jumped the turnstile at the 125th Street Station, Lexington Avenue in East Harlem. That is a difficult station for police. I've been there many times. There are drug addicts nodding back and forth, people um, jumping the turnstile repeatedly. And so police there have a very, very tough job. And uh, a 16-year-old girl was apparently with this uh, young man, and um, she ducked under the turnstile. And apparently the boy became verbally aggressive for over three minutes. Think about this now, 16 years old, and he's verbally aggressive for over three minutes with police officers before they attempt to arrest him. In the video, you see the boy, I'm sure many of you have seen it by now, you see the boy wildly, wildly punching the officer, swinging from Alabama towards this officer's face, and the officer returned the blows. The teenage girl, what does she do? She enters the fray and tries to hit the police officer, and a female officer grabs her, and then the girl starts sparring with the uh, female officer. You cannot make this stuff up. And by the way, for all of this talk of police brutality... Notice neither of the officers, at least on video, neither of them pulled their gun. The way this young man was swinging, this officer basically engaged in hand-to-hand combat with this 16-year-old who was swinging from Alabama with Mike Tyson blows, and the officer did not once pull his gun. So that's one. And I see your phone calls coming in. We're about to go to them. 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. The second story. If I 
were the chief of staff to Mayor Adams, I would beg the mayor to back up on this one. I'm referring to the flashy Brooklyn bishop defending his lifestyle after the alleged, notice what I said, one million jury heist at the church. He says he's entitled to wear those items. He's worked hard for it. So he's known for flaunting, and his name, by the way, is Bishop Lamore Miller Whitehead, flaunting Gucci suits, diamond-encrusted chains, and a stable of luxury vehicles. And it says he's not, he's, it's not his fault that he was targeted for this $1 million uh, heist. Now, he's cozy with uh, Mayor Adams, and here's where my role as a journalist comes in. The media is going crazy with this. Oh, a pastor robbed on a live stream in the middle of his service. Not so fast. Not so fast. Let's see. Let's see what the uh, NYPD comes up with. Why? Why do I say that? Because and people change. But he previously did five years in prison for identity fraud and grand larceny. Almost like the two crimes made in heaven for something like this. Right? He did five years for identity fraud and grand larceny. He says, it's not about me being flashy. One of his vehicles, a Rolls Royce. And by the way, the five years he did in prison was for a $2 million identity theft scam. Now, me as a journalist, if I'm raising these questions, you don't think the great detectives of the NYPD, whether or not he's a friend of the mayor or not. And what I'm trying to say, folks, maybe he's a victim, but this is a perfect crime of convenience. Perfect. Perfect. And state it plainly, there's something rotten in Denmark as it relates to this. I'm not buying it. So first, bling, bling. First, the minister we're told, had 400000 on in jewelry between him and his wife. Now it's a million. Now it's a million. You folks don't question, maybe it's the journalists and me, that this robbery happened in the middle of a live stream. You don't think that's rather convenient for when the insurance company starts asking questions? Now remember... What happened in Chicago with Jussie Smollett? Police made an arrest, and the brothers started singing like canaries. In terms of, and I'm not making any allegation. I'm just telling you, as a journalist, something is not right with this situation. So two things I noticed from looking at the video over and over and over. One, the bishop immediately drops to the ground as the men walk in. But if you look, and and they have guns, but if you look, there's a man behind the bishop in the left-hand corner. He does not flinch once. He does not get down. He does not turn his head. He just stands there as men are walking around with, with guns. He just, go back and look at the video and look at the man standing behind the bishop. And number two, for that matter, notice how fast the bishop goes down to the ground. Maybe it's a natural reaction. Maybe. Maybe. And who, and again, this is the journalist speaking. If you're robbed at gunpoint, in which it appears that was the case by three individuals, are you really going to chase behind them when when they leave? But notice what happens when the bishop chases behind them. When he goes after they leave the church and he goes behind him, what do we clearly see? We clearly see his upper body 
where around his neck you could tell that something was ripped. His shirt appears, his clergy item appears to be ripped. So in other words, the bling bling that was on his neck on video, it's clear that it's now gone. So maybe this is all on the up and up. Maybe, maybe, maybe I've been doing journalism too too long. Something's not right. If I were the chief of staff of to mayor, Mr. Mayor, you have got to back up on this one. Until until we get a full clean systems go from the NYPD, this guy is shaky. He did five years in prison for these exact type of crimes. I want you folks. I see all the calls. We're gonna begin to them begin with them in just a second. But I want you to listen to uh, Bishop Lamore. Whitehead, in terms of um, his own social media, he made two comments. He's going, you're going to hear him deal with the issue of race. But let's start with what he has to say. I've been on these streets a long time. And ain't nobody never take nothing from me. When I went to prison illegally, they sent this to me to 11 and a third to 34 years. Ain't nobody take nothing from me. I was around every gangster, murderers, robbers, gang members. Ain't nobody never take nothing from me. And y'all wait till I have a collar on in the pulpit, preaching the word of God, preaching deliverance. And y'all can't talk about the white man because it was black men. You can't talk about, (laughs) you can't talk about the white man. That's why I'm colorblind. I'm not racist. You can't talk about the white man, y'all. It was our own young brothers. The bishop says, as you just heard him, it was our own young brothers. But um, so the first thing I would do if I were still in television, I would go back to my managing editor and I would say something is shaky with this guy. I don't trust him. We got to double check this. Don't air it like this. Don't just buy what he's telling you because there's something that's wrong with this story. And if I'm saying that, what do you think? detectives are saying now remember this is the same guy that uh the murder of daniel enriquez the 48 year old goldman sachs employee when the suspect wanted to turn himself in this pastor called uh mayor adams and tried to arrange for the suspect to surrender to mayor adams now think about that for a second and the liability that it would put the city of New York in if a a murder suspect is surrendering to the mayor of New York City. Imagine the depositions that would happen going forward, because then every criminal would say, I want my 15 minutes. I want the mayor. I'm not turning myself. And this is the guy that arranged it. This is the guy that arranged, tried to arrange it, but then when the suspect left legal aid, the police ambushed him and arrested him right then and there. I want you to listen to the rest of what Bishop Lamore uh, Whitehead has to say. He says that it's so tough being a man of color. It's so hard being a black man. It's so hard. It's so hard being a black man. I turned in. Um, the young man who killed the innocent man or who allegedly killed the innocent man on the Q train about a month and a half ago, two months. And all they talked about in the media was my car. And so much bad press. Oh, the bling, bling, bling bishop, the bishop with the Rolls Royce. But nobody looked at that I stopped, if this young man did what he, what they say he did, I stopped a murderer off the street. And I also stopped a young black man that get killed for less, not be killed. 
and they plaster me all over the media. And then what they do is they capitalize off of me being illegally incarcerated. They don't talk about that, but they talk about my criminal background, which was that. That's my only felony I ever had. And they utilize that to destroy my character. So before we start with the telephone calls, I leave you with one question on this matter. The last time you went to church, whether it was recently or because of COVID, it wasn't recently. Did the priest, pastor, rabbi, did they have on a million dollars worth of jewelry? Did they, did they, did they, did they have on any jewelry besides maybe a cross around their neck? A million dollars worth of jewelry. A million dollars. Come on. You think I was born yesterday? Come on, folks. It's rather convenient. Friend of the mayors, the climate of crime is out of control. On video, they took a million dollars. So you file next week with the insurance company. But newsflash, they're not just going to cut that check. And one of these guys is going to be arrested very, very soon. Maybe this is fully legit, but we'll see what they have to say once the uh, once the first suspect is in custody. Let's start. Uh, lots of calls. Let's start with our friend Miguel in Flushing. Good morning, Miguel. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. <laughs> um, I'm calling about that video in 125th Street, and that definitely is a rough station. Um, but this is what happens. You know, the police were stopping this guy for jumping the turnstile, and look at the mess that it turns to. A 16-year-old, and he was fighting strong. I mean, this guy was tough. But this is what the politicians have done. Yes. And this, this is the favorite kind of person that Alvin Braggs will let out of jail real quick. He already hmm. has priors. This is the problem in the city, and that they're not going to fix it unless the, lead- the leadership changes. It's never going to be fixed unless we start voting differently and getting all these criminal politicians out of New York. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Miguel, I, I couldn't have said it uh, better. We-, we certainly need a change on a number of fronts, from issue to issue. And I thank you for the call, Miguel. As always, it's great chatting with you. Let's go to John in Reno. Good morning, John. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hey, Dominic. Good morning. You know, something is fishy about this case. The bishop has a Rolls Royce. Yeah, him and his wife had a billion dollars worth of jewelry. So what he says. To- so he says. Okay. See, and, and, let, of- let me let me just say this, John. As a journalist, right? Uh, we are trained that we listen to you, but that don't we we don't take it as fact. That's just your version. Meaning, so if if a bishop tells me that he had on a million dollars worth of jewelry, that's why in journalism we say the individual says, which is uh, attribution to the individual, and it takes it off of us. He says he had a million dollars worth of jewelry, but please continue. Okay, well, my question is this. Jesus was about feeding the poor, housing the poor. Does this guy's church even have a food bank? Hmm. Well, he he's more, in fairness to him, he's more of what we call a street-type preacher, a storefront-type preacher. Um so there are plenty of them here in 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 New York, John, and you know in Reno. I you know I don't think you really have them there. You have more traditional type churches. But let's just put it this way, John, and I thank you for the call. The bishop has a a very colorful past. Let's let's put it that way. Paul in Orange County, good morning. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Dominic, you got to stop. Stop. Journalism's dead. What are you doing? Journalism, I'm, I don't understand, Paul. You're the only guy out there that's digging. No one else is going after this type of story. Ah, well, well, Paul, to be honest with you, 
the the first time I heard this story, I started laughing. To be honest with you, to be completely honest with you, I mean, they got the live trucks lined up, victim in Brooklyn delivering a sermon. Come on, I mean, now now maybe maybe it's on the up and up, Paul, but uh, uh, uh. Yeah, very very fishy. Once you put the connection to uh, the mayor. Right. Well, it, it, the mayor is the one with the most to lose, Paul, and that's why I don't understand why the mayor is, quote, unquote, jumping out the window on this. I mean, and, and, and this is why you need more traditional type advisors that would because the political advisors of yesteryear would have said, hell no, Mr. Mayor, you're not commenting on that. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. It has the potential to. uh to go bad. And, and we'll, as soon as the first one is arrested, we'll find out if this is legit or if it's a scam. Because you better believe if it's a scam, they're going to start singing like a canary. Definitely. I totally agree with you on that. Totally agree with you on that. But it's, the mayor's got to step up here. Yeah, the, the crime is just out of control. Why doesn't he have a conversation with Giuliani? Well, you already know the answer to that, Paul. Uh, it, it's a political type thing. They're from opposite parties. I would love for Mayor Adams to sit down with Mayor Giuliani. I think Mayor Giuliani could bring a lot to the table in terms of how to get this crime problem uh, under control. But but he, here's the issue. In getting, and thank you for the call, Paul, in getting this crime problem under control, you can't be politically correct. You just can't do it. You have got, so like this 16-year-old, in my day growing up in New York City, I'm not saying that this is right, folks, but what we were constantly told is if you disrespect the NYPD, it's going to be a long ride back to the station house. That's that's the tradition of, of how I grew up in New York City. Now you got these kids, they don't respect themselves, they don't respect their mothers, daddy's nowhere to be found, and they they just do whatever they feel like doing. Let's go to Russ in White Plains. Good morning, Russ. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hey, Dominic, tell me, using your expertise, the Sharks, something's not right. I mean, if you excuse the expression, something's fishy here. Because, you know, several weeks ago, all we heard about were lifeguard shortage, lifeguard shortage, we can't find lifeguards. And then this starts the bites. It's not safe to go in the water. At first it was, oh, other fish also bite. Sometimes it's shark, sometimes it's not. Now you don't hear about that. Now it's shark, shark, shark. The crowds are a lot less in the hottest time of the summer. The crowds are less, so you don't need so many lifeguards now. Okay, but wait, but wait, but wait, wait. I'm going to answer your question. Wait, 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 wait. I'm talking about the bishop, and you brought up sharks. I'm not following the transition here. Well, because it's something fishy. Something's not right with the shark stories. Every year, sharks bite people. But they're focusing on it this year. The government's focusing on it, and the media's helping them generate fear. It's because it's, it's something's not right. It smells wrong. This, all these shark bites, yeah, people get bitten. It's not always sharks, but they're, they're covering the fact hey, that they hey, don't Russ, have lifeguards. Russ, Russ, that, Russ, you, Russ. It, wait, hey, Russ, if, if you were one of the people, all I could do is laugh. That was well, bitten. I mean, that was, wait, 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 that was bitten. Journalism. Wait, 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 that was bitten by a shark. Wouldn't you want us to cover it? Not if it was being used by the government to cover the fact okay. that they screwed up with lifeguards. I, I would like to be treated, and that's it. I don't want to be used to generate fear. And that's all the government does. They generate fear among the population. They tease you for them. Okay. Thank you. And they hurt the businesses. But they hurt the businesses, too, you know? Right. Okay. Well, thank you for the call, and I hope that you have a uh, a wonderful um, a wonderful uh, morning. Michael in New Jersey. Good morning, Michael. What's on your mind? Yeah, uh, this guy was fighting. Wait, wait, Michael, Michael, what's wrong with your phone? All I hear is something that uh, drowning you out in the background. Do you hear me now? It's it's a little better, but it's very the background. It's it's almost like you're in a warehouse or something. Hold on, let me hold on. Is it better now? Not really, but go ahead. A little bit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. If this kid 
was fighting the way you say he was. And there was no doubt in my mind that you're 100% correct. He was really punching that cop. Then I, I'm not saying he has to kill him, but he should have pulled out his gun and told him, you stop or I'm going to put a bullet into your kneecap and you're going to end up a crippled. But hey, but but Michael, the, the, the fighting was so aggressive the officer was not able to get any space between himself and the youngster. The the young man was acting like he was in in, in the community fighting another teenager. That's what he was acting like, well, e- even though this officer is a police officer. But again, to the folks that always come down on police, the officer didn't pull his gun. His uh, female uh, partner, she didn't pull her gun. They, they, you know, they dealt with these kids, but I, I don't know if I really should be calling them kids based on, Michael, the way that this young man acted. The, the cop was hitting him with his fists. Why they, did he use his fist? These cops have an, a telescoping nightstick on their side. Pull it out. You, if, if you're fighting like that and this kid is really a good fighter, you got to use a weapon. There's no such thing as, well, that's not fair. We're in a boxing ring. You know, no, you're not in a boxing ring. If I have a weapon and you're beating the hell out of me, I'm going to use it. I'm going to pull out a blackjack, that telescoping nightstick, something. Something is going to come out and I'm going to hit him with it. I don't okay. know why these cops didn't. You Forget about fighting fair. You fight to win. You don't fight fair. Right, the guy well, has no business but, beating but, up a cop. But but I hear you, Michael. But remember, um, everybody thinks they're Howard Cosell with their cell phones, and it, it, they may capture. We just saw this. In, thank you for the call. We just saw this in Yonkers, where only half of the story is caught on video, and it, it could ruin an officer's career if the part is caught on video that makes that officer look bad even though it's not completely the full story. Let's go to Billy in Long Island City. Good morning, Billy. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Dominic, why are you picking on this black pastor? I don't know anything about him. Those clips you just played, he's an excellent talker. I wish you could get him a job on this station and replace some of these other people. But let me tell you something. All I got out of you, he's no good because he wears a lot of bling. Am no, 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 no. That's that's not. Hey, Billy, that's not that's not what you got out of me. What you got out of me was that as a seasoned journalist, I'm telling you something's not right. Maybe it's completely legit, but I don't think so. It's too it's it, it's too perfect of of a uh, of a situation. But please continue before I move on. What, cause you, uh, cause he wears a lot of jewelry? I mean, I'm Catholic. You ever see the size of the hat that the Pope wears? Are you gonna make fun of him too? I that, mean, that is I the Pope. Got... That is the Pope. There's a difference, Billy. Are, are you drinking something? That there's the difference between the Pope and a storefront preacher driving around uh, and wearing Gucci suits. Come on. I mean, oh, oh. Folks, let me just say this. I've got to take a break. I see all of your calls. We're going to get to as many as we can. But I'm looking forward to him calling in and joining me. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Rikers situation, about 10, about 1245, uh, with the deputy CEO of the Fortune Society, Stanley Richards. That will be an interesting conversation that's coming up. Dominic Carter here with you, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we are back, going right back to the telephone calls. Let's go to, let's see here, let's go to Leonardo in New Jersey. Good morning. What's on your mind? Dominic, I think your uh, intuition is absolutely correct about this uh, pastor. Uh, I I think he's got nothing on Jesse Smollett, and he might wind up in the same predicament. Remember Flip Wilson's character, Reverend Leroy, the materialistic pastor of the church of what's happening now? I think <laughs> what's happening now might be insurance fraud. Well— um, you know, we don't know definitively what's going on as of right now. It is a um, 
It is a robbery situation, and uh, the NYPD is investigating. But believe me, we're going to find out real soon whether this is legit or it's not. But, Leonardo, uh, all I am saying to you is that as a journalist, this is just too convenient. It's too perfect. It's too perfect for, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I wouldn't say this um, if, if he, but I, I think I still would, if he didn't have the, um, the uh, felony conviction uh, as it relates to uh, the charges that, that, that the uh, Bishop uh, uh, faced, uh, maybe, maybe I would uh, feel a little different, but he did, he did five years uh, in prison uh, as it relates to identity fraud. Now, think about that for a second, folks. Now, apparently he's saying that he didn't do it. Okay. But identity fraud and grand larceny. Think about that for a second. That and and he lives a lifestyle that's way above his means. So you do the math, folks. Uh, I Maybe this is not the case, but... Uh, it, you know, it sets up a scenario for a quick uh, payment from an insurance company. I, I still, you know, I, I know, I, I know a lot of pastors. Thank you, Leonardo, for the call. I know a lot of pastors, and I know a lot of pastors that brag about their uh, their private lives and and what they have and so on. Of course, they'll rename nameless. I I know some pastors that have bragged to me that they can pull down $75,000 one day in one day in one day from church donations okay but i've never ever i know pastors that live in some very nice homes drive very nice cars i have never in my life met a pastor that goes to church or a bishop or a priest or a rabbi with a million dollars between himself and his wife with injury on it's you know a oh okay we're t- we're talking about that situation and uh, the young man the 16 year old that got into the physical fight attacking the police officer uh, in in Harlem uh, horrible video and in about 10 minutes we're going to be discussing what's going on in Rikers Island let's go back to the um, to the telephones, Jeff on Long Island. Good morning. What's on your mind, Jeff? Good morning, sir. How are you today? I'm I, good. I, Go ahead, Jeff. I'm just I'm just curious. To me, the the priest all of a sudden goes to church with a million dollars worth of jewelry. How many priests do that? And now all of a sudden he gets robbed. So to me, it's it's all definitely a setup. Well, it's not a priest, number one. It's a bishop. Um Number two, again, he says he went to uh, deliver his sermon, uh, he and his wife, uh, with a million dollars jewelry. That's his version. We'll see what the insurance company ultimately says. Jeff, I, I thank you for the call. Let's go to Joseph in Parkchester. Good morning, Joseph. Uh, yeah, it, this is a point of contention between the two of us, and uh, you know, say what you will about it, but you seem to be in awe, sort of, you know, holding the police and law enforcement in uh, sort of like beyond reproach, as if they couldn't be in collusion with a corrupt politician uh, in order to assist a, an equally corrupt bishop or whatever. Okay, so wait, 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 wait. So, so Joseph, I just want to make sure I got this right. So, your allegation is that. Um, I'm uh, looking up to the police and that the entire NYPD is in collusion with the mayor to help the mayor's friend. I want to make sure I got this right. Is that correct? Did I say entire? I that's what you said the police department. Joseph, I don't, well, no, I don't Joseph, uh, oh, I don't me, Joseph, please listen. I don't have all day to play these games with you. I really don't. There are too many calls coming up, and we're about to have an interview on something that's important, Rikers. So please say what you have to say. All right, I will. Now, in terms of the police, if you recall, in, 20, in 2014, you know, there were over 100 members of the NYPD, FDNY, other law enforcement agencies, and other civil servants who were busted in a $400 million SSDI fraud ring. 
I, I have no, I, hey, Joseph, I have, I don't have the tolerance for this this morning. I have, thank you for the call. I have no idea what you're talking about. None whatsoever. And you're the perfect example of because someone says something that doesn't make it so. I have no idea what you're talking about. But yes, am I a strong supporter of the police? Yes. No doubt about it. I say this based on having covered the police for close to 40 years. Are, are they perfect? Is the entire department perfect? No. Is every radio talk show host perfect? No. Is every doctor the best doctor in the world? No. Is every firefighter uh, the, 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 the savior of the world? No. But overall, I'm of the belief that people are good, that people are good. Let's go to uh, Larry in Brooklyn. Good morning, Larry. What's on your mind? Yeah, about the 16-year-old video. Uh, yeah, Dominic, as a journalist, you got your work cut out for you. And here's what I'm talking about. After this incident, you know Eric Adams is probably going to get a call from Al Sharpton. He's going to say, you know, Eric, we don't we don't need 16-year-old kids getting their, their butts kicked like this over a fair, you know. So we got to see if, if good old Eric who implemented this strategy because he, he genuinely was outraged by people jumping the turnstiles and the broken wind wants to implement broken windows. We want to see if good old Eric is going to continue this policy or backtrack. And if he backtracks on it, that's an indication of who has, who has control over the crime situation in New York. You've got to follow up on this and see whether they double down on this policy, the, the, the NYPD, or they back off. And I suggest that you focus on the police commissioner because she's laying low and she's avoiding the spotlight. But she, because nobody's interviewing her, you got to put the spotlight in her. Let her be independent like she's supposed to be. Well, Larry, uh, I, I, I appreciate your call. Um, I, I, I hear you. Um, the police commissioner, she does uh, basically keep a low profile, but it seems that she's uh, doing a good job given the circumstances. Now, if you define good job by a lowering crime, which is the primary responsibility of the police commissioner, then, then that's debatable. But but she, you know, they, there was a question of whether or not she was ready for this type of assignment. And based on that definition, she's holding her own. Al in Yonkers, good morning. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Yeah, hi, Dominic. I just wanted to touch on in regards to the police confrontation at the turnstile. Yes. And the, and the quality of life uh, in New York City, how it's declining. You know, the strong mayor, Adams, has been in the uh, in office for about six months. And it's up to him who he wants to put in as his commissioners. That's one of the, uh, you know, that's what, you, you know, that's what he has uh, at his bequest when he wins that office. But my concern is in regards to the police commissioner in there now, uh, I personally believe that maybe she needs to be replaced if things continue to decline. I think you would need to put in a more experienced hand, somebody not Howard Saffer because he's, you know, he's an older man now. Hey, hey Al, he, Al yeah. I'm, I'm short on time, but let me ask you this. A more experienced person, what, what is that going to do? You still have Albany letting the, the prisoners, the suspects, out immediately. So how, how is a stronger police commissioner? What can they do that she can't? Well, he implemented CPR, courtesy, professionalism, and respect. Right. And uh, when he, during his tenure as commissioner, crime was low. And right, but, respect but, for police were high. But it's, it was so a I different think if Albany. he was in there, uh, things would change for the better. Okay. Well, Al, I, I appreciate your comment. I always do. Uh, folks, uh, you can stay with me, and we'll get to your, your calls in, in about six or seven minutes. But I've got to take a break because he's on the line, and that is uh, the deputy CEO of uh, Stanley Richards of the Fortune Society, We're going to talk Rikers, all the suicides, the deaths. How do you turn this around? I'll be right back. We'll be joined by Mr. Richards. And following that, we'll be going right back to your telephone calls. 
WABC. Highlighting stories that hit close to home, from your borough to your dinner table. This is Carter Cares. The situation at Rikers Island and how do you deal with it? Joining us now is Mr. Stanley Richards, who is the Deputy Chief Executive Officer of the Fortune Society, an advocacy nonprofit that helps people and helps uh, prison inmates upon reentry back into society. He does a lot of great work. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Dominique. Of course. So the the numbers are staggering and serious. In 2021, 16 people died while in the care of the Department of Corrections. And so far this year, we are outpacing that, where 11 people have died in the custody of correction. That's not just Rikers, including two in the space of a week in July. Why is this happening? It's a very sad situation. You know, I was uh, first deputy commissioner at the New York City Department of Corrections, and I can tell you every death that we experienced was a tragic and horrific situation. Uh, People are detained into the custody and care of the Department of Correction while they get their cases adjudicated. It is the expectation of society and the rules of our laws that says that a uh, person is presumed innocent until proven guilty. And many of the people being detained on Rikers Island have not been proven guilty of anything. They just have not been able to afford bail and haven't been released. And so we have a situation where our New York City Department of Corrections has really become an institution that deals with all of the ills of society. We see over 50% of the people who are incarcerated on Rikers Island have mental illness. A significant portion are homeless, have substance abuse, and all of the issues that we are dealing with as a uh, Department of Corrections, as opposed to dealing with it by providing services and getting people the treatment that they need. And it is a perfect storm, a situation where officers aren't trained to be clinicians and providers. We have a system that was designed to punish people, and Rikers is not a place of uh, where people serve long sentences. It is a place where people are supposed to get their cases adjudicated. And so it is a perfect storm of dysfunction. It's a perfect storm of trauma, and it is a perfect storm where the department itself just creates perpetual hurt. Officers hurt, uh, non-uniform people who work on the island hurt, people who are incarcerated hurt, and family members hurt. And it is time for us as a society to say enough is enough. We are not going to do it. What we've learned over the last decades is that we could have lower number of people incarcerated, safer communities, and provide alternatives for people to get the mental health services that they need, substance abuse treatment that they need, and access to stable housing. Mr. Richards, let me let me ask you this, because you, you have a very uh, unique expertise here. Uh, you served on the oversight board for the jail system. The Obama administration named you a champion of, of change. And yet you were also formerly incarcerated uh, yourself. You and I are each natives of the uh, Bronx. Yes. And and you spent two and a half years on Rikers in the 80s before serving um, uh, 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 four and a half years of a nine-year prison sentence. Sure. So from from your unique perspective, talk to me, please, because I'm trying to understand what's going on about the solutions. How do we get out of the mess that we're in right now with Rikers? Well, it takes huge investments, and we have to focus on the uh, driving causes of incarceration, and that is some of our criminal justice policies we need to fundamentally change. We need to make community investments to allow people to be diverted and and engaged in services. We need to deal with the mental health crisis we're having in our communities. We need to deal with the homeless crisis we're dealing with in our community. And we need to deal with the 
the disproportional impact of economic or lack of economic opportunity in some of the hardest-hit communities in New York City. At Fortune Society, we see about 9,000 people a year. Over 50% of our staff are people with justice impacted. 30% of our executive team are people with justice impact. And so we know if we provide the right services, we make the right investments, we can turn this around. Rikers Island doesn't have to be a stain on our city. It could turn around but it takes huge investments, and it's not an investment over two years or three years. It took generations for us to get to this particular point, and it's going to take generational investments to get us out of it. We need to close Rikers Island. We need to build a smaller borough-based jail that is centered on the humanity of those who have to be detained and for those who have to work there. We need to make sure that services are available to people when they're in there. And most of all, we need to make sure we're providing an off-ramp with intensive wraparound services for people who come into contact with the criminal justice system so that we could stop the cycle of incarceration. So explain this to me, please. And we are talking with Stanley Richards, who is the deputy chief executive officer of the Fortune Society. Why are people dying Uh, within the system, why are people committing suicide within the system? When you are incarcerated, there are few options you have. One is either you're predator or prey. Two, you either go into survival mode or you go into hopeless mode. And when you see suicides and when you see massive drug overdoses, you're seeing the sense of hopelessness, the sense of things in my life aren't going to change, There's things aren't going to get better, and so why do I continue? And just like all of us in the community, every day we get up and we fight our way through our life experience. When you are incarcerated and you are isolated and there is no sense of people caring, there is no sense of connection to the community, you build a sense of hopelessness. And when people are hopeless, they go to the worst place and they go to the things that they think will give them the most peace. And unfortunately, suicide becomes an option. Unfortunately, violence becomes an option. Unfortunately, drug use becomes an option because they are trying to escape the horrors of their experience. And so that's one of the reasons why we said we need to close Rikers and build the borough-based jails. Rikers is out of sight, out of mind. People don't think about it. It is a blip on the New York City map system. People don't hear about Rikers. They don't think about Rikers. But they are real lives, both from officers and from incarcerated people that are impacted by that system. Well, Mr. Stanley Richards, uh, I'm out of time for right now, but uh, this is a topic that we must continue. And um, I want to have you back where you're starting the program and and we can focus in great detail about Rikers because your last response just really opened up my eyes to why people are taking their own lives and why there's so much uh, violence. I, I guess I just hadn't looked at it that way. So I thank you for joining us. And with me right now, we're going to go back to your phone calls in just one second. But Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. Good Hello, morning to Dominic. You, sir. Good morning. Good morning. What do you have coming up? All right. We've got an action-packed show. We are going to chat with America's most controversial political consultant, New York Times bestselling author Roger Stone. He's going to join me in about 20 minutes. We'll talk about the Bannon case. We'll talk about the January 6th committee hearings and a bunch of other things that I think people are going to be really interested in. And then uh, we'll go through the mail. I got quite a bit of mail yesterday in reaction to my handling of a caller who said that my comments sounded racist. So um, we may need you to record something before you go home, essentially <laughs> vouching for me for not being racist that we can play throughout the course what, of the what evening. What was the comment? I'm just uh, well, I was talking about the Sesame Place incident, okay. and okay. Uh, she didn't like the way I was characterizing certain hypothetical things about the about the uh, the thing. And then uh, Zena Hassel is a really interesting woman. She's a female entrepreneur who founded her own company, and she has a book about uh, how women can get by in this kind of an environment, which is very challenging for everybody, but especially for for women. So I'm looking forward to all those discussions. 
discussions and the mail and a bunch of other things. So we got a lot to get to. Another great show. Let's go back to the telephones in the two and a half minutes that I have left. You select the next caller, Frank Morano and Dominic Carter here uh, with you. Uh, how about uh, Neil on Staten Island? All right, Neil, go for it. You're talking to Frank and Dominic. Hey, the two titans of radio. I, I love you both. Uh, Thank you. The, the guy in the, in the subway, the teenager, you know, he was choking the cop to death, and uh, an MTA worker actually uh, stepped in to, to take that uh, chokehold away from him. Now, I spoke to you uh, a couple months ago, about a month ago, Dominic. I know you're definitely against the chokehold for police. But now when you have a, a little animal like this that could kill a cop with it, don't you think that the cop should, uh, shouldn't have his hands tied? And, and God forbid he has to use the chokehold. It should be available to him. No, I, I don't believe I've covered too many cases, Neil, to be honest with you, uh, regarding chokeholds. I don't think that law enforcement should be legally allowed to use them. But, 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 and, and this is controversial, that young man was borderline close to an officer in a justifiable way using deadly force. That's how vicious that young man was, that 16-year-old was with the uh, police officer. Frank, have you seen the video and what's your reaction to I, it? I actually haven't seen the video. I'm just okay. going by your description. Okay. And it uh, it sounds, I, I mean, based on your characterization of it, I would tend to agree with you. But okay. I haven't seen the video yet. Well, Neil, we, we thank you for the uh, call. You know, I want to take another call, but we've got 30 seconds left. And so I guess I guess I shouldn't. But um. I do want to say you want to keep it right there. Frank Morano is going to have a great show coming up. He just gave you a preview of what he's going to have. You want to stay right there, folks. And I will be back again tomorrow. We will deal with these topics. We will see how the Brooklyn situation plays out. Will police make an arrest uh, initially with this Bishop situation? Will his story stand up? We'll see. Maybe it's completely legit. Have a great morning. Keep it right there. Frank Marano is next. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.